0: That I've realized that over the last 40 to 50 years, there's not been much progress in the peace agreement. I thought, wow, my entire lifetime. That's so discouraging. How elusive is this idea of peace? And I was thinking, not just world peace. If I really allow it uh, and, and personalize it, how elusive is peace in my own heart and soul? How, how many times that have I lived through an entire day <laughs> just really peace as that controlling element, that, that, that environment of my soul that I'm living out peace today? This past week, we're, we're, in a, we're in a series, and we started with talking about the presence of the Father. Then we talked about the power of the Holy Spirit. And now we're going to spend a couple of weeks and talk about the peace of the Son, the peace of Christ, that these um, presence, power, and peace are meant to be hallmarks in our life. They're, we're actually called, we're invited to be a people of presence, a people of Power and a people of peace. And so on Sunday afternoon, I finished the uh, power and I just start thinking about the idea of peace. What does it mean to be a people of peace? And then all of a sudden, uh, one of our kids has an allergic reaction and I have to rush her to the urgent care and she's struggling to breathe, and then we, she has to get an EpiPen and then an uh, ambulance to the hospital, and then we have to stay there. I'm hoping that she's okay overnight in the hospital, first day of, uh, of school for our girls. And I, in the middle of uh, being in the emergency room, I looked up and said, God, what, how do I be a person of peace in this strain? How do I, how do I walk? as a person of peace. And one of the, the beautiful attitudes, the, the beautiful behaviors that Jesus starts the Sermon on the Mount with, he says this, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers. Not, not simply the peacekeepers, Right? This isn't a call just to be a peacekeeper, to to keep the peace, no more than that. And actually, it's not simply a call to be a person of peace, internal peace, right? To have peace of heart. No, 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 he's saying peacemakers, those promoters of peace, the, the persons of peace. I'm calling you not to just live in peace, not to just to keep the peace, but to really advance my agenda of peace in this world that we have. Then you'll be doing God's work. Then you'll look a lot like your father in heaven. Then you'll be his daughter or son because you'll be doing the things that he's interested. And I thought, how in the world can I be a promoter of peace when peace is so elusive in my own heart and life? How can I really pray for and press in and in my relationships be a worker, in my neighborhood, in the, the strife and conflict that's around me? How can I be this peace promoter, this peace maker, if I struggle so profoundly right here for peace? I thought, I have my work cut out for me for these next couple of messages what does that look like how how do we do i i believe this is part of god's profound calling on our lives i believe he's wanting us to be this people of peace not always anxious not always in angst not always struggling not always but really being that that messenger of peace so how in the world can we get there We better pray for the message. Shouldn't we pray for the message? Let's pray for the message. Lord, I thank you for this beautiful passage that you are going to bring us to. Would you open our hearts and our souls, no matter who we are, where we're coming from. Lord, if there's any hardness in our hearts, would you soften it there? Lord, would you allow your word to sink deeply into our souls this morning? Amen. As I've done with the other two hallmarks, we've gone back way in the Old Testament and we have looked at a story from the life of Moses. I hope you enjoy it because I like to, for you to see that these hallmarks are not just a New Testament thing They're they're actually deeply a God thing. The presence of God is deeply a God thing from the Old to the New Testament. The power of God, that is a God thing. From the very beginning, he's been endowing his children with power for life and ministry. And this peace thing was not a creation of the New Testament or, or Jesus in the new testament way but it's a deep god thing from the very beginning and we're going to turn all the way back to the book of numbers again chapter six if you've brought your bibles wonderful there are bibles located in the seats in front of you please pull that out and we're going to just look at a short passage of scripture this is in numbers the people of god are still in the desert God is still giving a lot of instruction, and he's still forming them as a people, the people of God. He's forming them as a nation. He's preparing them for the promised land and to live as covenant people. One of the things he does in Numbers right away is he puts them in in tribal camps, all right, the tribes, and then he talks about the priesthood. And he appoints Moses' brother, uh, uh, yes, Moses' brother Aaron and his sons to be priests. And then he takes a tribe of Israel, the Levites, and he says, they will be. My priests to the people. They will be the go-between. And they are given all these responsibilities of how, to, um, how they assist in the worship and the sacrifice and all of that. And then in, in number six, what we're about to read was one of the primary responsibilities of the Levites, of Aaron and his sons. And that was this idea of blessing that a primary responsibility of the priests of the Old Testament was to to be the blessing from God's heart, from God's throne room, to the lives and heart of the people, that they would be that conduit of blessing. And in fact, in number six, we're given what I would call the granddaddy of all blessings. Blessings. The the blessing from which all other blessings flow, all right? This is the blessing when I give the benediction and some of the blessings in the New Testament and in the Old Testament. Really, in a grand sense, all of these blessings scripturally flow from this blessing we find in number six. That kind of exciting? In fact, this would be a good one to memorize, and and there's this idea of spiritual power that flows so so get in your mind when Aaron would perhaps stand before the people in the desert maybe at the tent of meetings or the tabernacle and he'd raise his hands And can you imagine the the people when they were really hungry for God, when they weren't in rebellion, when they they weren't struggling, but they they were really hungry for God, and they longed for more of God's presence, more of God's favor, more of God's goodness, and they would receive, maybe even open their hands, their palms, maybe even kneel down and just receive this blessing. Numbers 6, verse 22. The Lord said to Moses, tell Aaron and his sons, this is how you are to bless the Israelites. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his presence shine on you and be gracious to you the Lord lift up his countenance toward you and give you peace. So they will put my name on the Israelites and I will bless them. What he's saying is those words will rest on the Israelites. And as those words rest on the Israelites, so my blessing will rest on their lives, on their families, on the community of faith. Now let me ask you this. Why did the Lord of heaven and earth choose these words and this blessing. He had a lot of words to choose from, right? A lot of words. Why was it these words that he chose? What is so significant? Why is this the granddaddy of all blessings? I want to encourage us to look deeply. I want to, this morning, I want us to dig a little bit deeper in just these few verses, and look at that. Did you notice the first thing is that there's really three lines, and those three lines are somewhat progressive. The first line is three Hebrew words, the second line is five Hebrew words, and the third line is six Hebrew words. And in each line, it begins with the divine name of God, Yahweh, was considered the divine name of God. And it's repeated three times. The Lord, the Lord, the Lord. Or Yahweh, Yahweh, Yahweh. For emphasis and impact that the name of the one true living God will rest on you as his people. And the first line, this three words, is what I would call the beginning of peace. The beginning of peace. Because it simply says, Yahweh bless you, may the Lord bless you, and keep you. When you hear language of blessing, this is actually covenant language. He's saying, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May you be the Lord's. May you be invited into this covenant relationship with God. And may you experience the benefits of that covenant relationship. I just did a, a wedding uh, down south yesterday yesterday. Um, some of you might know Deb and Kevin Westfall now. They're married and uh, it was successful, so all good. All right. And, <laughs> and, and so they enter into this covenant relationship of marriage. And now they, they go from no longer being simply one man and one woman. They, 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 as the King James language, they cleave together. They're united. They enter into this relationship, and there are covenant blessings or benefits that are a part of this covenant that they have together in marriage. Now they have, in this new and unique way, they have an intimacy that they didn't have prior to marriage there's this companionship that they didn't have they share all of their material blessings together they tackle those were the vows in times of sorrow and difficulty they stand by one another in times of joy and blessing they say we will with and share in those joys so in this covenant relationship they are blessed in that way same is true for you and I He's saying, may you live well into this covenant relationship that you have with the one true living God. The covenant blessings that we have in God is intimacy with God, is companionship. There's also, not to mention, Redemption and salvation and reconciliation and purpose. All those covenant blessings, right, that we celebrate there, that we get to enter into those. One of the covenant blessings in a relationship with God is the idea of protection. That's that second word, or the third word, may the Lord bless you and keep, and keep you. That idea of, that the Lord will protect your life, that he would be your soul's keeper. One of the things this blessing, one of the questions this blessing begs is who is your keeper? Who is your covenant partner? Who is the one that you're receiving the protection. And way back in the Old Testament, Aaron and Moses and really God through them is saying, you know, there is no better keeper of your soul There is no one else that you want. There is no one that loves you like Yahweh loves you. There is no one that is so full of grace and mercy and kindness. There is no one stronger. There is no one mightier. There is no one, no better keeper. If you have another keeper, get rid of that keeper. Because the, the Lord God, Yahweh, is the one to have. And if you are your own keeper, that's not good. You're not going to be a very good keeper of your soul. One of the dynamics in Scripture is it doesn't really see you allowing uh, you being the keeper of your soul. In fact, oftentimes we think we're the keeper of our soul and we're not. There's actually two options. Paul says this in Colossians 1:13, "For he Christ has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his son he loves." In whom we have, here's covenant blessings, redemption and the forgiveness of sin. He's saying actually there's two dominions. There's true, two true keepers. It's the dominion or of darkness or it's the dominion of light. It's the kingdom of darkness or the kingdom of of the son in whom he loves. He said, really, those are the two options for your keepers. All other keepers are false. He said, when you asked Christ into your life, there was a transfer. You transferred your citizen card. You transferred your allegiance, your love, and your affection. You went from the dominion of... into the dominion of light and the sun you see that this blessing is saying may yahweh bless you and keep you may you live well in his dominion may you experience his covenant blessings i was thinking about um a a movie one of my uh movies I really enjoy, especially when they're based on a true story. Not Star Wars. That is not based on a true story. (laughs) Boy, wouldn't that be great? Anyways, I digress. Um, This one is based on a true story. Uh, Michael Orr, who I believe still plays in the NFL. The movie is The Blind Side. And Michael Orr um, was essentially an orphan. He was uh, not, um, was not um, being cared for or living with his mom or dad, yet he was attending a, um, a Christian high school. And then this family sees Michael, Michael walking, and it's the first time the mother of this family wonders where he's walking in the rain, that no one is watching over him that no one is keeping him. And so I wanted to watch this brief scene from um, the blind side. Step Big Mike. Hey, my name's Leanne me. my kids go to Wingate. You said you were going to the gym? School gym's closed. Why were you going to the gym? Big Mike, why were you going to the gym? Because it's warm. Do you have any place to stay tonight? Don't you dare lie to me. Seen that look many times. She's about to get her way. SJ, make room. Get inside. Come on. Come on. Come on. I hear the Lord's voice in Sandra Bullock's character there don't you lie to me. Come on. So he spends the night, and then as the story goes, he spends another night and another night. And then finally, in this dramatic moment, Sandra Bullock's character and the whole family, they want to adopt Michael. And they're like, Michael, do you want to be a part of this family? And he says, I thought I already was. <laughs> I thought it happened, right? That's really the essence of the Christian faith is God is saying, come on, I, you don't, you, you're actually not in your own life and, 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 and security of your own home. No, you're wandering spiritually. You are an orphan spiritually, and I'm inviting you in into my family. I will be your keeper. You will sleep in my home. I will give you rest. I will give you good things. I will protect you and watch over you and provide for you. This blessing is saying, live well into God's family and dominion and experience all the benefits. Michael or went from an orphan and almost no benefits to all these benefits of a wealthy home. And the Lord is inviting you. He says, leave all of that, that almost no benefits, and enter my fold. As Jesus is the keeper of sheep, so he is the keeper of our souls. The beginning of peace. The next line I would call as the center of peace. That is five words. Five words. It says, The Lord, Yahweh, may his presence shine on you. Now, some of your Bibles say face. right? Or some of your Bibles say countenance. Or some, the message says, May the Lord smile. On you. I like that. You know what the Hebrew word is? Some of us learned this Hebrew word several weeks ago. It's the same word for presence. It is Panim. And so the translators, they have um, the ability to translate it in different ways, Panim sometimes means countenance, sometimes means face, oftentimes means presence. And I think from what we know about the presence of God and the story of Moses and how much he desired God's manifest presence, I believe God means it to be translated presence. That the presence, the manifest presence of the living God would shine on your life the analogy I, I love the word shine that's a great translation of that Hebrew word this idea have you ever been like maybe uh, hiking in the mountains and it's overcast and that chill has got you and you're, you're really cold and then the, the clouds just pull away and all of a sudden the, co- the sun comes out and shine and you feel the warmth of the sun Did you add that? That's the center of peace is when on your life the manifest presence of the living God shines on your life and you feel his warmth. You feel his goodness. You feel his grace in your life. That's the center of peace. That's the the heart of God's grace. In fact, may his uh, presence shine on you and be gracious unto you. That idea of grace, of kindness, of mercy, of all who God is, the essence of God, the weight of God. Remember glory and and presence, some of you that were there, that all of who God is will shine on your life. That's the center of peace. You know, I I believe that peace in some ways is so elusive because we look for it in the wrong places. We look for peace in our outward circumstances and our outward relationships when, in fact, the center of peace is not outward circumstances it is in relationship and peace of the soul. You see that quite a bit in the Old Testament. For example, Jeremiah, who is one of the major prophets of Old Testament, he was living in a time that the other religious leaders were saying, peace, all is good. See, we are not at war with other kingdoms. God has got us and we're good and Jeremiah was saying no no you say peace peace but there is no peace he's saying look at your life you're living and promoting injustice you're doing things that really hurt the heart of God there is no peace it is a false peace it's partly why he was the weeping prophet because no one liked to listen to him that's not a good message He was saying, no, but the essence of peace, listen to what he says. He says, they, the religious leaders, dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious. This is serious, friends. You've got deep issues going on in your life. Peace, peace, they say, where there is no peace. Jesus is saying, or uh, Jeremiah is saying, false peace. That's not true. And, And God is bringing judgment. Now, on the other hand, there is a true peace, even in the midst of dire circumstances. King David, the author of many Psalms, listen to Psalm 62, the beginning. I just included uh, verse 1, 2, and the first part of 3. It doesn't flow really well. Truly, my soul finds rest in God. My salvation comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. How long will you assault me? What's going on there? He's actually not talking to God. He's talking about people in his life that he was experiencing Um, assault and difficulty and strife. And yet he was saying all of this, though my life is on fire, it's raging, it's burning, God, my soul, finds rest in God. Nothing can be shaken. When we talk about peace, friends, most often we look to outward circumstances. When in fact, God is saying, no, 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 I want to teach you to be a person of peace. It begins, the centerpiece of my peace. Yes, that sounds right. The centerpiece of my peace is within. Kendra and I have a dear friend that is in um, a federal penitentiary and um, care for her and uh, we're trying to support her in prayer and emails and, and so forth. And she shares with us a lot about how unhealthy and demeaning, really, a place it is. Very unhealthy. It's a kind of a, a white-collar crime place. And she's like, it's not a place of rehabilitation. It's not a, a, a place that's thoughtful Um, It's not a place that's really doing what we were hoping it would do. It's, It's a horrible place. And one of the things that we're trying to communicate is that true peace with God comes from within. And the outward circumstances, they will come and go. Your life, I don't care who you are, if it hasn't left, yet, your life will be lit on fire. God allows that to happen. Different times. Your circumstances, it will be lit on fire. Fire. But right here, he says, I want you to be a person of peace regardless of whether your life is on fire or if there's peaceful circumstances. It begins the centerpiece is right here life within he's saying you live life see it's the idea of flow the idea of flow is this it is that oftentimes we desire our outward circumstances that will achieve enough, we'll have the good enough marriage, we'll have the good enough career, that all these circumstances work so good and, and really goodness and favor and peace flows into us from that. Isn't that how we think about it, right? And we're like, God, what's going on? Ah! And he's saying, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. Right here, I I want to be your peace here. And eventually, as you seek, as you press in, as you pray, as you long for more of God, there is a reversal of that flow. My presence, my power, my peace begins to fill up and flow And it begins to affect those relationships that you desire so much, that career that you desire so much, the the angst that's happening all of a sudden. You become a peacemaker. You become a child of God because his presence, power, and peace fills up and flows to others. That's how we possibly can get there one more line it's the the longer line it's the seven hebrew words and i call this the promise of peace that in fact that same word you notice that in some translation it's it's face or countenance is it's that same hebrew word of Panim, Look at your neighbor and say panim. Let's reiterate this. Panim. All right? And I would translate it presence in the, the second line. The third line I would translate. I like the King James translation of countenance. That the, the, the father, Yahweh, the one true living God, lifts his face his countenance towards you. That Israel, the people of God, the blessing is that God would lift and turn his face. If I use faith as an example, can you imagine God turning his face towards faith? And the expression of his face matters, right? So if God turns his face like this to faith, that's not a very good countenance, is it? How about this one? That's not a good countenance, is it? What's his countenance? May he lift up his countenance and give you shalom. Shalom peace, there's actually a, an idea not only of relationship but of um, a celebration of delight that the Father has in us. If you want to live a life of, of peace, of shalom, then he looks at you, he turns, I'll give you guys this turn, he turns his face to you. And he says, peace, he delights in you. You're living that life that invites the grace, the kindness, the shalom of the Father in your life. Some would call that favor, the favor of God. May Yahweh Lift his countenance toward you and give you peace. That Hebrew word, shalom, many people's favorite Hebrew word, that means wholeness and completeness, not just safety. Not kind of the world's definition of peace is that kind of peace on your borders, peace that you have no angry. But the the biblical idea of peace is so much more. It's this wholeness that all is good. Physically, all is good. Spiritually, relationally, all is good. There is a, a, a completeness, a soundness, a health, even a prosperity and favor. Listen to Isaiah 54.10. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love or loving kindness, my grace, um, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of shalom be removed, says the Lord. You see, in the Old, Old Testament times, he was talking about the promised land and God's heart and vision and desire for his people is that they would enter the promised land. It would be a land flowing of rich harvest, flowing with milk and honey. Of course, that's an analogy. If, if milk and honey were really flowing, it would be a gross place to walk around in, right? He's saying, no, it's this beautiful, bountiful place and I'll give you peace on all your borders, and you'll, it will be a time where you eat with your family, you live in the homes, you worship me, and it is shalom. Now, the promised land is no, more, no longer physical, but it's here. Individually and corporately, it's still God's heart for you to live a life flowing with milk and honey. A life that's full, that's abundant, that peace is within and flowing to every area of your life. Jesus said this, peace. I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. I think that's why peace is so elusive to us, friends. We're simply understanding peace from a world's perspective, not from a Jesus perspective. He says this is part of the benefit. This is the covenant. This is the climax of the prayer of blessing that my shalom would rest deeply. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. I'd like to invite the worship team forward. I can't think of a better way to conclude a service about shalom and peace and blessing than coming together at the Lord's table. That it's really the Lord's sacrifice on the cross, his broken body, his shed blood that enables us to be first and foremost at peace with God. God to go from a dominion of darkness into the dominion of light and peace and shalom. And that in, in our hearts and souls, at the center, that this is this beautiful picture of us entering and communing with the Prince of Peace. He says, my peace I give you. Not as the world gives. Regardless of what is taking place in your life. No matter at the level of fire that is going on in your life. Jesus is saying, would you come? And would you partake? Would you receive my peace that I give you? Friends, we're going to do this a slightly different way is we do have four stations. um, If the elders would like to come forward, we have a stations for each section. And when the appropriate time comes, if you would leave your section to your right and come to the table and receive the elements. And usually I have you return to your seats And then we take the elements together. We're going to just try something a little bit different. I want to encourage you to take the elements when you stand before the elders yourself personally. And then I want you to return to your seat. And as we're waiting for everyone, you can either stay seated and just participate and worship and pray and adore the Lord. That's a great option. Or... Maybe the Lord would prompt you to see someone in need or prompt you to pray for someone, a friend, someone you might know is going on, something's going on in their lives, and you're going to pray the peace of Christ into their lives. You don't have to. Just don't, don't get awkward. All right? And by the way, we're not legalistic. If there's a shorter line, you can go to that line okay? There's, there's freedom there. But I want to encourage you that part of the peace of Christ is not only the ministry of the sacrament of communion, but is also the ministry for one another. And if there's someone that maybe the Spirit would prompt you to, just say, hey, can I, can I say a word of prayer for you? Okay? So it was the night that Jesus would be betrayed. He knew that his life was going to enter the fire in more of a profound way than ever in his life. He knew the fire was raging. He knew that he would be betrayed and denied by his closest of friends he knew the religious leaders that he came to save would be part of the crucifixion and right in the center of that fire right in the midst of his disciples who would flee he took the bread and he gave thanks he blessed it And he broke it. And he said to the disciples, and he says to you and I right now, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in a similar way after dinner, he took the cup and he said, to the disciples and he said says to you and me today this is a new covenant hear that new covenant blessings new covenant relationship grace and mercy intimacy and purpose and shalom All of this is a new covenant for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Can we pray together? Jesus, thank you that these are not simply physical symbols, but your presence and power and peace rests here in this beautiful and mysterious way. Lord, we long for more of you. We long to receive all that you have for us. Would you meet us now at your table? Amen. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, If you are his disciple, would you come, take, eat, and drink?